Hey, it is Carmen Apisa, and you're listening to the Brutally Delicious mm, Podcast. This is Hey, yeah, that's a beautiful place. Right? Yeah, it must it's suck. A, what a rough yeah, life. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Please, please tell me you're going to go enjoy a cold beverage on the beach later today. Well, we might. We uh, see. Actually, this is uh, we have a house here that we rent, and uh, we have to come. We sadly we have to come here three or four times a year. Oh man, what a rough life! House. So when we come, it's not really a vacation, you know. Yeah. It's like we have a whole bunch of things we're fixing now. This is wrong. That's wrong. We got to go to Ace Hardware and get a couple of light fixtures and you know just fix stuff but it's good to hang and relax you know because we live in florida anyway now so it's not very similar instead <laughs> of the ocean behind us we have a canal and a lake yeah <laughs> so, either you know, way it's life, not too life shabby. is good in my 70s you know yeah you don't even look close to 70 dude yeah well if i take the glasses i feel the bags <laughs> <laughs> But, well, uh, after decades of touring, those are expected, right? Yeah, man, we're still doing it. We're uh, we got a bunch of shows booked. Uh, we had a um, couple of shows for me and my brother booked in February, but it looks like they're going to move those because the stupid COVID thing. Is Jeez, unbelievable, man! This thing is like we're writing a new song. I'm doing a new King Cobra record. We're writing a new song, and Paul Shotina wrote wrote it about. You know, the COVID thing is called Warriors of the Dark. And I said, we should just call Warriors of the Virus. Uh, <laughs> nice. So I was just reading about the guitar, Zeus. Um, right. And I, I'm, I kind of mixed feelings about it. Not in, not in a weird way, but like you have all of these un- pardon my language, unfucking believable guitar players playing yeah, on that record. I know. <laughs> and... and <laughs> And you are like one of the most iconic rock drummers in history. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate so, that. So I, like, I, I mean, I live with it every day. I don't view myself as that. You know? <laughs> right. But, but like, so who was more, um, who was more flattered to play with who? That's where I'm conflicted. I mean, <laughs> you well, know, I, all think these guys... I think it was, I think it was both ways, you know, because, uh, you know, I had, a, I, the way it happened, I had a plan for this stupid thing, you know, um, Basically, I'm opening up a, a little root beer barrel. Here, ah, so the worst. The noises. Uh, so basically, uh, it started like 1992 when I was I had a band with Jeff Watson and uh, Day, um, Joel and Turner and Bob Daisley. <clears throat> Not you know bad guys, right? So, <laughs> but that was when Nirvana and grunge was big, and we were like dinosaurs. Nobody wanted to hear about us. Right. So we had this band together. I had a solo album out in 1982. This is 1992. I was trying to get another one. Jeff Watson comes out of Nightwanger like that, gets a solo deal. You know, she's a guitar player. And I said, what, what got to be? A guitar player to get a damn solo album again? It's ridiculous. So I said, oh, maybe I'll do a, a guitar album. I said, yeah, I'll drum doing a guitar album. I'll call it Guitar Gods. You know, I get all my right. friends to play on it. And then we were messing with the name Zeus for the band, which we ended up calling it Mother's Army. I don't know why. I think Zeus is a better name. Uh, I said, no, I'll call it Guitar Gods. I said, no, I'll call it Guitar Zeus. 
that's what I'll do. And I'll get my friends to play on it and blah, blah, blah. And then I went to bed that night. You know, when you're sleeping, you're trying to sleep and your brain's going, I'm thinking, that's a freaking good idea. <laughs> you know? Tazis, what a cool name. You know? And I can get my friends to play on it. And then I, I'm thinking ahead. I said, I can do drum magazines, guitar magazines, rock magazines, you know, and talk about this guitar album. So I said, I'm going to do it. It took me two years to find a manager to get me a deal, you know? Really? I was getting, yeah, yeah. And as I was in those two years, I did a clinic uh, at House of Guitars with Brian May. He did a clinic, you know, Freddie had died and we weren't doing it. So he was doing a clinic at House of Guitars. So was I. It was like a, a clinic day. <coughs> Excuse me. So I said, hey, Brian, if I did this album, would you play on it? He goes, yeah. <laughs> and I went to a Ted Nugent gig in L.A. Ted, would you play on it? Sure. And then I, I called my friends, uh, two guys in King's X, Doug and Ty. Doug is awesome. Was, they, were, they were still hip, you know, in, in 92, 93. Right. King's X was like still hip because they were like almost grungy. You know, right. uh, but they were soulful, you know, and they said, yeah, we play on it. So then I said, now all I need is a record deal. So in 1994, I was going to Japan with uh, Tony Franklin, Kelly Keeling, who was on the second Blue Murder album. And the second Blue Murder album was huge in Japan. So I went there as Rock Super Session Volume 2. I'd gone there in 82 with Volume 1 and and we needed a guitar player. So we thought about this guy, Doug Aldrich, who was big in Japan. Nobody knew him in America. So we got a hold of him. He said, I can't do it. But, you know, we had to talk to his manager. His manager said he can't do it. So we got Mitch Perry to do it. But, and then I told the manager about this album idea. And he said, I could get a deal for this in Japan. I said, no kidding. He did. Wow. He a deal in Japan. Wow. And then while we were there, I'm talking to Kelly. I'm saying, Kelly is a great singer and a great writer like John Sykes. You know, would you want to work with me on the songs? He said, yeah. So I had Kelly, me. Of course, I wanted Tony Franklin on it because I love Tony as a bass right. player. Playing with Blue Murder was so cool for me with him. You know, I ran after Blue Murder because of Sykes and, and Tony. They're such sure. great players. You know, so Tony said, yeah, I'll do it. I said, great. And Kelly said, I can play all the rhythm guitars and we'll write the songs. Now we have a deal. Let's go. So that's what we did. The first wow. guy I got on it, Brian May. I gave him a choice of song. <laughs> Second guy, Ted Nugent. Third people, Doug and Ty. Now I'm thinking, these guys are going to be drawing cards. You know, oh, yeah. People, right? So... Kelly was doing a, uh, a couple of songs with uh, Ingve. He heard mm-hmm. about it. So he wanted to do it. And I had uh, Doug, you know, as a singer, he says, I want to be on the track with Doug Pinnock. I said, okay, you got it. Sweet. When I talked to Mick Mars, I had Jeez. Edgar Winter singing a song. I want to be on the track with Edgar Winter. You have Mick Mars on there? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, uh, Mick, Mick Mars to me, might be one of the most underrated guitar players of the 80s. Yeah, without a doubt. He's really good because, you know what, he's more old school than the other guys, you know. He's more closer to my age. And yeah. uh, he's a real good, he's a good player, you know. Now he's, he's got that problem with sickness. Right. Where he, 
you know, it, it's, uh, I think it's affecting his health, physical health. Right. You know, but he, he's a great guy. Good guy. But in terms of having a unique sound, Mick yeah. really, like if you hear Mick play, you know it's Mick. Like you don't you even know have what? to. I had him play slide. Really? Yeah. He played slide on, on the song. It's uh, the one with Edgar Winter. Uh, I have to look at the title. There's some of his 39 songs. You know? <laughs> did you do a lot of the production yourself or did you have somebody else do it? I did most of it myself. I mean, I had this guy, uh, <coughs> the first album. Uh, uh, what does that sound? Pat Regan uh, was a, like co-producer with me on the second album. And uh, uh, the first guy escapes my name. Uh, name escapes me. Uh, but anyway, but, you know, they didn't totally produce it. I was there, you know, I had to approve everything. Right. You know, so yeah. this was like my deal, you know. And I wrote, I wrote songs with Kelly. I wrote, you know, we had a special tuning for the album. Are you guys either guitar players, any of you? I am, yeah. Yeah, well, my, my tuning on a lot of the songs were D, D, E, 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 D. Oh, weird. And then we use, you could use one finger. Yeah. You know? So like the song that John Norum's on, Nothing. I wrote the, the original riff on the guitar. Oh, really? Using that tuning, yeah. And. Uh, songs angels i wrote i wrote all the music for that you know yeah i used to sing and do wop stuff in the 60s you know early 60s before vanilla fudge and i made you the music in high school so i learned chords and play a little guitar little bass keyboard and sing so it, it's crazy we were prepping for this yesterday and talking about it and man i can't believe your body of work it's it's absolute insanity did you ever expect, ever imagine like back in school when you were that this was where you'd end up? No, I always wanted to be a drummer and make a living as a drummer, but I never thought I would, you know, be a, a, a record uh, recording star for seven decades now. Going on crazy. Like, you know, we were yeah. talking about uh, what were we talking about? Yes, oh Betty White. That she, yeah, she passed away. She was you know like yeah. eight decades. Or, yeah. or going on nine decades. And I said to my wife, I said, well, I'm at seven decades myself. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm going after Betty's yeah. record. <laughs> and still going. And still going. And still yeah. putting out good stuff, right? This, I mean, I think this guitars and stuff is some of the best stuff I've ever done. It's got so much great production, great songs, great playing. Uh, time signature is progressive. It's very interesting. It's not boring. It's not running the mill. You know, it's got its own sound. And it's still, I mean, come on. I did this in 95 and 97. Right. It still sounds now. Yeah. So that, that was all That was all analog then probably, right? All analog. Yeah. That was all the analog. first thing that stuck out to me was the snare sounded like it was hammering the tape. And I was just like, yeah, It man. was hammered. <laughs> uh, I, used, I used all my Andy John's, uh, my Andy John's miking techniques that, uh, Oh, cool. During I'm, the Rod Stewart and the BBA days. Maybe, yeah. may he rest in peace. I'm actually yeah. working on Andy John's drum library right now. So, what do you um, mean? I, I own a software company. Oh, really? And, and he did a drum library with a company called Platinum Samples a long really? time ago. And, um, anyways, we've developed our own player with Platinum Samples and we're converting Andy John's drum library over to that. So, do you market it and all that stuff too? Uh, it will be marketed, yeah, heavily. Oh, yeah. You should do the Carmine Drum Library. We can. There you go. Just let me know. Let me know <laughs> if you want to do it. We'll do it. I got my, I have... I got my studio in the house now, so I don't know oh, what, what it takes to do, but 
it's boring as hell, but um, if you have the time, it's it's well I worth think, it. I think I have. I just remembered I did one in Vegas that was never released. Yeah, yeah. Well, we have a done analog. It was all done analog. Oh wow, that would be yeah. hard. That'd be difficult. Yeah. Um, but we have. Um, oh, that'd be difficult. Well, it's digital now. Yo, I see. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was done analog <laughs> and then transferred to digital. Yeah, I we have. Paul, um... <coughs> I think Paul Shortino has a copy of it. Oh man, <laughs> I want it. We have a um, we have a proprietary uh, sampling technique that we give to the artists that we work with. Mm-hmm. And and then we we built all the front end software to get it ready and make it playable and all that kind of stuff. It, it's a pretty long it's a pretty long process on our end, but on your end, uh, the longest parts are just the hi hats and the and the ride symbols and the right. you know they take forever because yeah, you got to let them well, bring out. Let me see what uh, what we have. Yeah, if if we can exchange I information, spending days doing that stuff, putting it on analog. Now Paul said he has it on yeah, digital. It, if you want to do another one, let me know and exchange uh, information with me and, and I'll see what I can arrange because I would be honored to do that. Okay, that be... yeah. one, that, that was what that, that actually leads to my next question, though. Sorry to get off topic that way. But um, your snare sound is most drummers have a snare sound that they keep and they use that throughout their career. Mm-hmm. Your snare sound is always different <coughs> and, it's, and it's always very well tuned. Yeah. But it always, but it, but it always sounds like you. It must be the way I hit it, because I, I'm not a, a tuning freak. Yeah, you know, I do use different snares uh, in my studio now. I've been using mostly 2003 Slingerland Radio King snare. Five. Oh, I wood. love that drum. All right, but on this, um, which track did I use it on? I, I just used it on a new track for King Cobra. I have a 1924 Ludwig Black Beauty, 15 inch, oh. and, and that that's a little fatter sounding. Really yeah, that's good. That's a bit wide. You know? That's nice. Yeah, it's really nice, and I I got a UV one head on it, Evans UV one. Yeah, and on, on my Slingland, I have the Carmine Aquarian head on it, which has really great bite to it. Yeah, the Aquarian heads have a lot of nice attack to them. They're yeah, really. And then cool. I, I'm using my 1971 24 by 15 bass drums. Ludwig's. Oh, wow, they, man. They sound unbelievable, these bass drums. And I'm using beaters, the regular beaters. Yeah. Not, not that plastic crap, you know? Yeah. So, like, you're talking like the wood beater? No. no or like, like felt. felt. Oh, nice. The ball. The ball. Yeah. 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 I got gotcha. you. I even got the, the uh, felt strip going down the back of the heads, like we used to do. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, what and heads I, are you I using? And I don't use uh, pillows. I use newspaper inside the bass drums. Really? You know what? I actually learned I learned this trick from a drummer named Pat Stewart. I don't know if you know him. He played with Brian Adams for years and years and years. Mm-mm. And I think, so. I think he told me he learned it by reading about an article from you. Yeah. And he would he would shred up newspaper and put them in the toms specifically. <laughs> oh, in the toms too. Well, I never done the toms. Yeah, that's interesting. Oh. Yeah, but anyways, <laughs> I, that was just that's a that. that's a that's a. That's a off top conversation. I put him in. Well, I got it from Dino Donnelly. Yeah. And we used to varnish the inside of the bass drums to seal up all the pores. And then you put newspaper strips like three inches wide, like strip them up. And yeah. Put a palm about maybe that high in the bass drum. And yeah. it takes away all the, the, the bad harmonics you don't want to hear, all the yeah. tones. But it doesn't make it sound like a pillow, like, like that. 
you know? I understand, right. yeah. <laughs> it still sounds like a drum. Yeah, it still it still resonates, but it doesn't go. It doesn't yeah, yeah. And, and the bass drum itself is twenty four by fifteen, which is longer. You know, oh my god! And, and the uh, and it's wood in nineteen seventy one. It's prime wood now. You know, it just sounds right. Like, how many how many issues of a newspaper do you have to put in each of those drums? My god, that's a big drum. <laughs> no, no, I, you just pile this much up. I mean, it usually takes about three three pages of a regular newspaper, you know, both sides. Yeah. Interesting. You know, so you got like, you rip it up and get like maybe four or five out of each page. So you put like 20 sheets in there. Well, man, I really so. appreciate you sharing this stuff with me because <laughs> it's, I'm, I'm a geek for drums. I'm not a drummer at all. Um, oh, I'm getting, I'm good. Have you heard my um, uh, energy overload record? I don't know if I have most likely, but <laughs> okay. I'm terrible. Well, with go names. on, go. No, it's, it's new. It's a, instrumental record and i did it at my studio energy and, overload uh, I, yeah energy overload you can put it in the computer uh on uh youtube okay with uh fernando yeah with fernando right and it, okay. look at look at the track energy overload okay uh i think that was done with these bass drums okay i got it logged in here i'll, I'll check it after and the check interview check it out yeah yeah and kick ass kick ass drum sound you know that's crazy. Oh my God. I'm so like, I can talk you're, ner you're nerding out. It sounds great. Yeah. I'm writing these Christian songs with, uh, when I'm recording them and Christian songs have, they have, uh, it's very tribal, a lot of Tom Toms and all that stuff, you know? Right. Yeah. And, and I go to this Christian church down here in Florida, well, up there in Florida. I, mean, <laughs> I, I South, guess. Uh, right. And it just, it's like a revival. It's amazing. You know, the singer, it's amazing. I took him and put him on the tracks and I got female singers on there and a guitar player. And, and we're writing some just great, great Christian songs. I recorded them and I utilized these drums with Pat Regan mixing it. And man, the drum sound is spectacular. Wow. I'm going to, I'm going to have to and check I, it I love it. I've walked through my garage and there it is. It's all set up. <laughs> and you have to hit record. D drum toms. I got D, D drum toms, 12, 13, 16. The two uh, Ludwig old bass drums and the various snare drums, you know. I got slingling snares, uh, chrome, uh, brass ones. I got brass uh, D drum. I got Ludwig 1924. I got a 1969 Ludwig uh, that I use as a high snare, as a piccolo on the left side. And when I use that, I pan it all the way to the left, you know. Wow. So, so if you do a feel like gaga gaga on the little one, then the yeah. big one, and then the toms. You know, you follow the stereo all around. It's really pretty cool. Man, do you, do you ahead, play? Do you play in the church as well? Like Say on again? do you play in the church as well? Like on Sunday morning? <laughs> I want to. That uh, I want to because it, it's just a great band, a great band, right. vocalist. It sounds like a gospel thing. I love all that stuff. You know? Oh yeah. And, uh, matter of fact, when I joined the church. When I first started going, they had an electronic drum set. And I said, oh, dude, I <laughs> right. got to get you some drums. So I got them a D-drum kit. I got the church a D-drum kit. And this kid that's playing it, he's 28 years old. He's a freaking monster. You know? <laughs> wow. And so I'm going to write a book with him called a, a Realistic Christian Rock Drumming. Wow. And we already videoed with four cameras, you know, four songs in, in his little booth. Right. So we're going to transcribe it and 
talk about how to build up to play these patterns and all. But he's an awesome player. And a few times he goes out of town and they need, they get somebody to fill in. Right. Actually, I was supposed to fill in when I got home from this trip, but then his trip got canceled. So, right. but, but I got <laughs> the church behind me on the songs that we're going to do. So, so, so point, you, we're going to do, I'm going to play the church stuff so with you, the church with two drummers. So nice. you got, so you got bumped. That's the craziest <laughs> thing I've ever heard. <laughs> What's that? I got what? You got bumped. Like, you know, I was supposed I to do bumped, the gig, yeah. but the other drummer took it, you know? I got bumped. Right. But I know all the songs now, and I know the way that the, the singer who's the guy that sang on my stuff, I know all the signals, you know, and, you know the verse, you know, four chord. You know, so the, chord so the story there. here is Carmine is the understudy. I'm the understudy. <laughs> uh, you're right. I'm the understudy and, and the songwriter. Right. 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 You know, it's a lot of fun going there. The the band is so good. It's inspiring. Every every time I go to Sunday service. That's great. Even if you look at it online, it's a great band. That's great. When I was a kid, one of my favorite songs in the world was Young Turk or Young Turk. Oh my God, no kidding. And I didn't even know that was the name of the song because that's not in the song at all anywhere. No, I know. That was funny, right? Yeah, yeah. I get asked about that a lot. So yeah. I was just like, when I realized when I was looking this up that you co-wrote that song, right. I was just like, I have been listening to this guy for decades, and I didn't even know half the time that I was. Yeah. How? Um, well, do you think not, I'm sexy? You know, there was even bigger. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And you keep hanging on. Just been in that last Quentin Tarantino movie, you know, it was like uh, a quadruple of royalties. Yeah, you know? you I just found out yesterday that they're, re- they're releasing <coughs> through Rhino License and Cherry Red a complete, unbelievably huge box set of cactus. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, next year. No, this year, 2022. Wow. And everything, everything we ever recorded, you know, and yeah. they're calling it Evil, uh, something to do with the song Evil, which is probably one of Cactus's main songs right but but they left out uh, you know they were writing bits about cactus but they left out two of the most important things that hot for teacher was uh was was uh, basically the template for hot for teacher was parchment farm by cactus really right? i've read and that the, yeah and the intro to um our song called let me swim was pretty much eruption wow you know, it was just a big chord and guitar thing and then we went blam 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 you know change the chord right they did it exactly like that <laughs> they were big cactus fans you know interesting when, when i when i put uh vanilla fudge back together uh, i was talking to eddie on the phone he goes hey fuck vanilla fudge put cactus back together <laughs> <laughs> and we did actually with three out of four guys you know so wow. you seem like a pretty calm relaxed even-headed guy um what was it like touring with Ozzy? Because he doesn't really come across that way. I, maybe that's just his public <laughs> well, persona. I don't know. Ozzy's a bit spaced, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. He's a good guy, a nice guy. But his wife is the vicious one. Yeah, that's what you I've know, heard. She, she fires everybody. She screwed everybody. Bob Daisley, Lee Kerslake got screwed out of millions. I Jake, got screwed yeah. out of... Jake too, right? 200,000. 
Jake got screwed. I'm yeah. sure Randy got screwed. Everybody that works with them, you know. And it's not Ozzy, you know. Right. After she fired me because she said my name was too big. You know, <laughs> they need more of a, they need more. That's what she told me. She said, your name's too big. We need more of a side man. So we're getting Tommy Aldridge back. And I was replacing Tommy Aldridge because they right. didn't like what he did on the album. And they called me in to help finish the album and fix the drum sound. And with, with me and Tony Bon Jovi, I had an associate producer credit on the first 500,000 uh, Bark at the Moon product. Oh, really? Yeah. So, so I know I... have a Bark at the Moon that's associate producing called my piece. That was one of the first 500,000. I was supposed to get paid for that, which I never did. Wow. You I'm know, trying to think when I saw you, because I saw you back... Were you on Diary, the Diary Tour? No, I was on Bark at the Moon. Just Bark at the Moon? Yeah. Okay, so I definitely had seen that show. <laughs> and I was, I was only on it from October till uh, March. You know? Yeah, I mean, I definitely remember seeing you, for sure. I mean, come uh, on, I, I had my own merch on the tour. I had my, <laughs> my own PR, my own PR guy. But right. she, she worked out the deal with my manager. They called me. I didn't call them. Right. You know, they called me, and I was I was f- doing fine with, with uh, what I was doing. Right. And I was a spokesperson for Mattel Sonic Drums. I was in in Cannes, France, when they called me. I was, you know, I was making a lot of money from them, getting a lot of visibility. And uh, doing Vanilla Fudge albums. I did an album with Rick Derringer and myself. And I worked with Posture Records. I developed the drum sound with Dwayne Barron that created the Posture sound, you know, that Quiet Riot used. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that's like the whole metal health stuff, right? Yeah. 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 So every time when it, when it went big, I said to Frankie, I said, man, you're the first one that used my drum sound, you know, other than me at Pasha. And it's gone huge. I, he said thank you and gave me a kiss on the cheek. He was a he was a yeah. great guy. We interviewed him. He was just, a good guy. We interviewed him just before, or actually, I think right about the time he got sick. And he was yeah. so gracious and so He's nice. A nice guy. Yeah. Every time we used to do stuff together, like uh, Bonzo Bash and stuff, he'd always come to the rehearsal place with pasta. You know, yeah, he'd always, he'd always give me a kiss and a hug. And he was, yeah, he was always a wonderful I, guy. I, I remember we, we were good friends. We were supposed to have an interview with him. And we called the number and his wife answered. And yeah. she's like, hello? We're like, Bruce is like, uh, we're supposed to have an interview. She's like, I don't think so. Bruce is like, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, she's the manager. She would know. <laughs> right. And then, and then Bruce is like, um, uh, I can't remember the publicist that set it up. And she goes, well, let me check. And, and all of a sudden you hear her like go up the stairs. Hey, do you have an interview? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I don't know, but I'll do it. And, and he, he came down. No, he's a good guy. He's a good and, guy. And he, he chatted was great. with us for a I long never time. Had, I never had any bad words to say about Frankie ever. You know? I don't think anybody I mean, did. That's like, that, that was his reputation in the business as just being like, yeah. sort of like yeah. Eric Carr, right? Just a really nice guy. Yeah, another nice guy. I, I remember seeing him after he, he got sick and he supposedly got better. Right. And then I saw him backstage at a gig in LA and he looked so bad. Yeah. But super guy like too, nice guy. Yeah. I think he. I think Eric he just Singer, played in Vegas. Nice Eric Singer just played. <laughs> yeah, Eric Singer and who was it? They just played um, the Kiss Cruise, and then they did a show at Vamped in Vegas. Both. Oh wow! Right. Oh yeah. yeah. Who kissed it? No, not Kiss. It was um, Eric. Eric, yeah. Yeah, Eric. Eric was discovered at my drum off. 
you know, you know the guitar center drum offs. Yeah, I started that in 1980. I loved Eric in Badlands. My God, yeah, Eric was bad. He's he's a great player. Alice Cooper, he was great. Now Alice Cooper. So let's 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 take it back to Carmine for a second because we're running up against oh, yeah. our time. But um, King Cobra, I'm excited to hear about that. When is that? When are you looking to do something with that? Well, that's an interesting. <laughs> I don't know, dude. This I'm working with Rowan Robinson and Carlos Cavazza. Wow. Okay. Me, Johnny Rod, and Paul Shortino. So we're writing songs. So first we started with with Rowan. <clears throat> we wrote some songs with Rowan. And then we got Carlos involved, and Carlos wrote a few songs. And we're trying to get them both together to, <laughs> to <have laughs> the same tracks. Right. And, you know, play a little different, you know. And with the COVID, you know, yeah. the other two King Cobra albums, I went to Vegas, and David Michael Phillips and me and Paul wrote all the stuff, put it all right. together in Vegas. And we flew Johnny Rod in. We put the bass on. You know, it didn't take as long as this. We've been working on this since June. Oh, wow. You know, with, with the COVID, yeah, you know, it, it's been crazy. You know, first we had uh, we had Robbie from uh, Great White was going to be doing it. Oh wow! And then he he disappeared. You know, like he started doing gigs, and we didn't hear from him for three or four weeks. I said, "Man, we can't do this." <laughs> I said to Paul the other day, "I said we probably would have had the album done if we used Robbie." <laughs> <laughs> the other two are like, you know, the amazing players. Right. It's interesting because I got that that Andy John's killer drum sound, very Zeppelin this kind of Carmine John Bottom kind of yeah. sound together, and so it's like Zeppelin meets King Cobra. That's nice. Oh, and, that's you got, cool. and you got and you got Rowan plays that English way, mm-hmm. and Carlos plays the the '80s heavy metal. Yeah, way. the LA's way. It's yeah, a, it's, a, it's an interesting combination. You know, so we're coming up with some great stuff, and, you know, and, and Paul's doing a great job with lyrics. And uh, and then every once in a while, you know, every every like week or so, Carlos, I got a new song. <laughs> as a uh, as a King Cobra fan, I'm very excited for it. That'll be stoked. And yeah, I don't. It's, it's, it's really interesting. It's a very interesting uh, King Cobra record. This one. That's great. Chris, we're only at seven minutes left on this recording. So if you got a if you got something else you want to ask real quick, I I. I don't. I'm just very grateful for your time today. It's oh, no been problem. it's been a pleasure. Oh my goodness! Um, because I I actually didn't know how much of an influence you were on me until I started prepping for this interview, and I realized oh. just what you have done that I grew up. Right, it's a soundtrack to my life. Yeah, trying to emulate. Like, <laughs> I, I had like that's a, was, that's a good name for that for a compilation for me. Soundtrack yeah. to your life. I'm tracking my life. Yeah, yeah. I, I literally used to use a tennis racket as an air guitar or a microphone for. Did young you read Turk. my book? You no. Guys? Sticking my life with sex, drums, and rock and roll. You should read that. I'll check okay, it out. Okay, I will. That's yeah, awesome. It has, you know, I mean, Led Zeppelin opened up for Vanilla Fudge. We paid half the fee. <laughs> Crazy. You know, <laughs> you know, we were sold out. The promoter didn't want them. You know, we, our agent pushed it on, and we said, "I'll tell you what, Vanilla Fudge, will pay half. Fifteen hundred bucks it was." We wow. paid seven fifty. Right? <laughs> wow! And we took them on tour, and I got John Bonham as Ludwig Endorsement. You know, and it goes way. It tells all that stuff. And, oh oh know, my God! Purple open up for us. Frank Zappa open up for us. The wow! Grand Funk Railroad, you know, Three Dog Night, um, every Ted Nugent. I mean, just my so many God! People, you know? So I, 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 will, I, I just want to say, 
thank you for all of the music and the memories. You are definitely, like I said, the soundtrack to my life. Well, so I appreciate it. Thank you. A great title. I'm gonna, you're going to see that come up. Somewhere. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and and I'll say, if you are interested in doing a drum library, um, yeah, I, I am actually. I, yeah, I'm thinking because you know the way I play and all that. You know, it's like you know, I'm 75 now. You know, how long yeah, right. can I do this? I do shows with my brother. And he's 11 years younger. Right. You know, so I have to keep up with him. But like, you know, when I do a solo, like the last gig we did in, uh, a couple of months ago. You know, he said, my brother said, come on, peace on drums. And, you know, crowd reacts. And he goes, how many people do you know play like that at 75? Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Crazy. am I going to be able to play like that? I'm 85. You know, I don't know. Yes. So it might be good to have a library. Yes. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. I'm sorry we had to uh, switch it. We were traveling yesterday. It's all good. I appreciate you even just making the time. Here's to another yeah, 20 years of making good music, man. Hey, God bless. I hope so. Be well. Cheers, Cheers bro. Take care, Cheers. my friend. Yeah. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, you. Do you have any plans this year? <laughs> How's that going? Do you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends, Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony, also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at 2 020-D.com, SoundTalentMedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app.